Good morning. It's awfully quiet in here. <laughs> I wish my classrooms were this quiet when I was a teacher. Um, well, good morning, First Baptist. It's great to be with you. I'm up here leading again a second Sunday in a row. It's my privilege and honor to be able to do this and to get the opportunity to be in front of you with these incredible group of musicians. And so if you'll just uh, get on your feet, I think y'all enjoy this first one. Good morning. You can be seated. That'd be great. 
Good morning and welcome to First Baptist Church. We're glad that you guys are here this morning. If if you weren't awake, you are now. Your blood pressure's up a little bit. Our feet are moving. Our hands are clapping. And we're here to praise Jesus. Amen? Well, again, welcome. If you're a guest with us, you might have seen one of these little white guest registration cards there in that pew rack right in front of you. And if you could take just a moment to fill that out. Um, We would love to have the chance to invite you to our connection groups. They're going to follow this hour. And if after this service, at the conclusion of it, if you walk out and head down the hall there to your left, you'll see our lead pastor, Dr. Cox, there at the welcome desk and and a crew of people working that welcome desk that would love to point you to a connection group. And so we'd love to get to know you, get to know you by name and connect your face with your name and and invite you to a connection group. So hang around the next hour and, and come and meet some people in a little smaller group, a little smaller setting. As we begin worship here this morning, though, uh, we just want to take a moment to pray and uh, just to invite God to lead us here this morning and just to, to uh, challenge our hearts and to teach us through his word. So let's do that this morning. Father God, as we uh, just continue to worship, we just look forward to you coming again as we just sang about, Father. And so, Lord, we just, um, as we're here, we're, we're anticipating you, we're rejoicing and the work that you've done through us and in our own lives and in the work that you're doing in the community and the world around us. And, and Father, we pray for your leadership in our lives. We pray for your conviction. And we pray, uh, Lord, just for your direction. And so this morning, uh, Lord, we just pray that you uh, use Dr. Cox to teach us, to help us to change our behaviors. And, and Father, that we use your word to guide us through life and all things. Uh, may our worship be pleasing to you as we continue uh, to sing and to praise Uh, your glory. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, before we stand and sing the second one, I just kind of wanted to share with you a big blessing that I've gotten out of this internship here. Um, But I'm kind of going to kind of preface it a little bit. So I didn't attend First Baptist as a child, but I would come to your um, big Christmas and Easter events. Y'all always put on some of the best in town, I believe. And we, my family and I would come and I remember seeing Jamie. (laughs) I'm going to cry talking about it. Um, I remember seeing her up here as a little girl and wishing I could be just like her, <laughs> singing on stage for the Lord. <laughs> Sorry, I did a surprise. I'm talking about you this morning. Um, and so what's been a great blessing in this internship is being able to, well, for one, as a young girl, 12, 13 years old, I got the opportunity to start leading worship and just some adults at the church I was in just really believed in me, and they really nurtured that. And so it's my honor that I get to do the same for your young boys and girls here at first. And it's been an incredible honor for Sarah Beth to come up in my band and to get to mentor her and watch her grow, not only as a musician, but but as a Christian. And so, I don't know, I just think it's really cool that we have them two on stage this morning, and so I'm just really excited that we get to be up here leading worship together. with us. Just 
Good morning, it's good to see you today. Glad that you're here to worship with us. Welcome those who are worshiping online on Facebook with us or on our church website. Thank you for being a part of, of this worship service. Appreciate uh, Sarah Anderson, our worship intern, leading worship today. Uh, Todd was taking some, our Todd Green is our worship pastor, was taking some vacation. And then he and Susan have tested positive for COVID. So we want to pray for them uh, today along with others. I'd like for us just to have another moment of prayer. If you would join me, we'll pray for them. We'll pray for others. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father in heaven, thank you for this worship in this place. Thank you for those who are joining us remotely from their homes or wherever. We pray, Lord, as we worship today that your spirit will move in our hearts, that your word will come alive, and that we will be changed by it. We pause today to pray for Todd and Susan. We pray for their symptoms to be mild. We pray for them to recover quickly. We pray for others in our church that we're thinking of and in our community and our nation who are also suffering the effects of this pandemic. We pray for an end to this. We pray, Lord, for your mercy and uh, we pray for grace. Lord, we also pray for our nation. It's been an eventful uh, week in the life of our nation as well. And Lord, we are so glad that you are always the same. You're always on the throne. You're in control. We seek you. We turn to you. We pray for mercy for our nation, guidance for our nation. We pray, Lord, that in all things we'll seek you. I pray that today people will come to find the ultimate answer. The ultimate answer, Lord, is not in government. It's not in entertainment. It's not in pleasure. It is in Jesus Christ. And I pray that you will be lifted up in this time. In your name I pray. Amen. 
Well, do you need to change anything about your life? Is there anything in your life you would like to change? Well, during the five Sundays in January, I'm preaching a series of sermons entitled Change, and we're looking at the writings of Paul and how he tells us that we can change. And first, we're spending three weeks in Romans 6, 7, and 8, a week in each chapter, about how to change unwanted behaviors. We began last week in Romans 6. Let me just review for just a moment, in case you weren't able to be here with us last week. In Romans 6, we learned that there's two steps to change unwanted behavior. Number one, you've got to die to it. Die to sin, that is make a drastic break with it. You've got to draw a line in the sand. You've got to say no more. You've got to get serious about it. You've got to take whatever steps you need to cut off that sin. You've got to delete that app. You've got to go a different way home. You've got to do whatever you need to do to say no more. Dying to sin. Number two, that's not enough though. The negative alone, a lot of people do that in the new year. Oh, I'm going to quit this. I'm not going to do this anymore. The negative alone is not enough. There must be the positive and the positive is you must offer yourself as a servant to Jesus and to righteousness. So you have to come alive to Jesus, die to sin, live to Jesus. There has to be that positive dedication of your life to him because you've got to have his help if you're going to have victory. We learned that these two steps, you don't have to, it's not too hard to remember them because they're pictured in your baptism if you're a believer. When you were baptized, you joined with Jesus, you were united with him in his death, and you were put down under water into a watery grave, and you were brought up. You died to sin, and you have risen to him. So now, what you do to overcome unwanted behaviors, you count yourself dead to sin and alive to Jesus. Let me remind you of one verse that sums up chapter 6 before we go to chapter 7 today. Romans 6, 11, let's review it. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. You see the two steps summed up in that verse? That's what you got to do. Reinforce what's happened in your baptism. Count yourself. I'm dead to that. I'm not going to do that anymore, say that anymore. I'm dead to that. And I'm alive to Jesus. Jesus, I offer my life up to you. Now, when you have done that, and when you continue to do that, why do you still struggle with sin and temptation? Why do Christians still struggle with temptation and sin? That's our question today. Some of you are saying, I've, I've sought as seriously as I can to die to sin and to offer myself to Jesus, and I still struggle with some things. I understand that. And Romans 7 addresses that question. We're going to see it today. Look with me at Romans chapter 7 to get the question, the problem. Romans 7, 14 and 15. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Paul says, I'm unspiritual. Sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Can you identify with that verse? Do you sometimes do what you don't want to do and you don't do what you want to do? Do you ever not understand yourself sometimes? Now the first interpretive question we've got to deal with here is Paul talking about a Christian. There are some Bible interpreters who say no because the language is so strong. He just said in verse 14, I am unspiritual. And they just can't fathom that Paul a Christian would say, I am unspiritual or a slave to sin. And so there's some from Origen, who was an early church father in the 200s, all the way up to the present day who say, Paul's not talking about Christians in Romans 7. The language is just too strong. And I get that, but I believe that Paul is. And the majority of interpreters would say Paul is talking about it, from Augustine all the way up to the present, would say Paul is talking about a Christian. I'll tell you why I think he's talking about a Christian. Number one, there's the organization of the book of Romans. Romans 6, 7, 8, it's about the Christian life. Number two, the verb tenses here are in the present tense. Paul is talking autobiographically, and he says, I don't do the things sometimes that I want to do. In the verses right before this that we didn't read, he talked in the past tense about before he became a Christian, but he's talking about the present tense. Number three, it's just as hard to explain how uh, a Christian would say, I'm unspiritual. But later in the passage, he's going to say that I delight in doing God's law. Well, it's just as hard to explain why a, uh, he would say as a non-Christian that I delight in doing God's law. You get it? Here's the fourth reason that I believe he's talking about a Christian. Because I can identify with this. Can't you? There are times when I don't do what I want to do. I'll give you an example. 
I don't want to yell at bad drivers on the interstate. But I do. And so I'll be driving to Murfreesboro and, and, you know, a little bit late for an appointment. And there's some lady from Kentucky driving 51 miles an hour in the left lane. And there's 10 of us waiting behind her. And there's trucks on the right side. And we, you know, you can't go anywhere because there she is camped out in that left lane. And some guy comes around on the right side and jets up through that right lane and gets right up behind those trucks and then all of a sudden wants to cut in front of us who've been waiting all this time. And I say to him, Jackrabbit, get back there in the back of the line where you belong. I'm not letting you in front of me. And Cindy will say something like, you're going to get us killed if you fall that close to that car. And I will say, yeah, but we'll go to heaven before he will because he's going to be behind me. Can you identify with any of that? I don't always do what I want to do. I can identify with Romans 15. Let me read it again. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And maybe some of you can identify with that as well. So why is that? Okay, here's why. Beginning in verse 17, you have two natures within you. First of all, you have an old sinful nature. You have an old sinful nature, beginning in verse 17, let me read it to you. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. Your translation might say flesh there, flesh or sinful nature. But most translations don't use the word flesh because we don't want you to get the idea that it's just your body, body bad, spirit good. That's not what the Bible says. So it's this old sinful fleshly nature that is within you. For I have the desire to do what is good, still reading in verse, uh, in, in verse 18. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Verse 19. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So these verses describe the sinful nature that's in every one of us since birth. Since birth, you have had a sinful nature, and your sinful nature desires to do what's evil, and we need to understand that. Now, when you became a Christian, you got a second nature. You have a new nature. So you have an old sinful nature, and if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a new nature. Let me read that to you in verses 21 and 22 so I find this law at work although I want to do good evil is right there with me for in my inner being I delight in God's law so there's a part of you that delights in God's law so you've got these two natures within you I got a, a chart I think can we put that up there that sort of contrasts these verses so you've had an old nature since birth and it desires to do evil and it enslaves you to sin but you've got a new nature that you've had since the new birth. There's a new you inside you. Your inner being, he calls it there. And you desire to please God. And it's enslaved to God's law. So what you have then in these two natures within us is these two natures are in conflict. There's a civil war going on inside of us as believers because we've got that old nature that we've had since birth, that desires to do evil. And, and we've got that new nature that God put within us when we were born again that desires to please Him. So there's a battle, a civil war raging within you. Let me read it to you in verse 23. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. You hear it there? You see that battle going on? You know, this is one of the truths that helped me as a young Christian many years ago as much as anything I learned. 
I learned this from the survival kit for new Christians, to understand what was going on inside me, that I had that old sinful nature that desired to do evil, but God had put a new nature within me, desired to do good, and that there was a, a conflict, moral conflict in my life. So, in order to change unwanted behaviors, you must feed the new nature and starve the old nature. You see, which one dominates will depend on which one you nourish. So you must feed the new nature and starve the old nature. Suppose you had two horses and you wanted to have a contest of them pulling against each other. Hooked one up to one end of the wagon, one up to the other end of the wagon. And suppose one horse, you fed a a diet of grain and oats and hay for three or four weeks and you didn't feed anything to the other horse. Which horse do you think might win that pulling contest? Don't you think probably the one that you nourished and fed would win? Or, I'll give you another metaphor, if you're into to fitness, you could put the words, in order to change unwanted behavior, you must strengthen the new nature and weaken the old nature. So, uh, if you have uh, two football players, an offensive and defensive lineman, you're going to do a one-on-one drill with them, and you're going to see who can push the other, and one of them, you have go through an exercise regimen for three months. And the other one, you confine to a hotel room, tell him to sit on the couch, and you bring him hostess Twinkies every day. Which one is more likely to win that one-on-one confrontation? You get the idea? So, if you're a Christian, and there's two natures within you, if you're feeding that old nature junk, you want, and then you wonder, oh, I just don't understand why I don't have any victory and don't have any power and I struggle so much in the Christian life. You see, you've got you to feed that new nature. And if you, if you come to church and you listen to God's word and you go home and you think about it, try to put it into practice in your life, and if you pray and, and, and think about God during the week, and if you come to a CDP class and learn five things that God uses to help you grow, is one class going on right now? And if you do some of those things, you're nourishing that new nature. And it'll predominate your life and you'll be able to change unwanted behaviors. But if you come to church once a month and you never think about it in between, and you never read your Bible, you never talk to God, you're not around other Christians, you're around people who don't have those values, and then you wonder, well, I wonder why this is so hard. And there's, do, you see the, do you see here what's going on? You've got to nourish that new nature. There's a battle going on inside of us. And the way to change unwanted behaviors is to do all that we can to nourish and strengthen that new nature. That's how you change unwanted behaviors. Now, the next verses tell us you can know victory through Jesus, but your old nature will be with you throughout your life. Look at verse 24 and 25. Verse 24 says, What a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body that's subject to death. And here's the answer, verse 25. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I want you to get that there is victory possible through Jesus. Jesus can help you. If you call out to Jesus, he'll help you. But I also want you to get the last part of verse 25, and that is that your old nature will be with you throughout your life. Yes, you don't have to be enslaved to sin. You can know victory, but there's always going to be some semblance of that battle. Look at the last part of verse 25. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Did you know that some Bible translations flip the order of those two clauses in that verse? And they make it end with, thanks be to God who delivers us through our Lord Jesus Christ. They don't like the way it ends. It starts out, thanks be to God who delivers us through our Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm still struggling with this old and new nature. And so Moffat's translation, Philip's translation, flips the phrase in that verse. There's no basis for doing that. You can't mess with the word of God and just put any order you want. This is the order that God put it in, even if it sounds strange to us. We'd like for it to end with that victory. Thanks be to God for gives me the victory. But it doesn't. It's very realistic. It says you can live victory but you're still going to have a battle all of your life. So you're, I believe you're going to be a sinner until your glorification. There's going to be some semblance of battle. Yes, you can live with victory. 
You can overcome a lot of things. That's what we're very talking about. But I want you to understand, I believe you're going to have that old sinful nature with you throughout your life until your glorification. Then it'll be removed. Now, some Christians don't agree with what I just said. There's some who believe in Christian perfectionism, especially Wesleyan groups, holiness groups, Church of the Nazarene. John Wesley wrote a book, A Plain Account of Christian Perfection. And they believe that you can attain perfection. Uh, Matthew 5, 48, they would point to where Jesus said, Be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And so they would say, well, he's not going to tell you to do something that he doesn't empower you to do so you could get to a state of perfection. Um, They're further along than I am, let me tell you, if that's the case. I I don't see that. I believe when he says be perfect, even the Father in heaven is perfect, that's the goal we're to attain to. We never settle for sin. We never get comfortable with sin. There's got to be that striving to be like the Father. But I believe in this life, you're never going to get there. Paul himself is describing that struggle that goes on in our lives. Uh, We sing then a song that Mercy Me wrote, there's a new, relatively new song called The Cross Has Made Me Fallless. You know that song? No matter the bumps, no matter the bruises, no matter the scars, still the truth is the cross has made, the cross has made me flawless. Is that true? Some criticize that song, say that's not true. I'm, I'm okay with that song because here's the deal, in position You're flawless. You become the righteousness of Christ. He sees you as the righteousness of Christ. But in practice, I'm not flawless. I think it's okay to sing that song because when we are justified in Christ, the way he views us in terms of our salvation is you are the righteousness of Christ. You are saints. Every believer is a saint. Every believer is holy. Every believer is sanctified. The Bible uses all those words of every believer. But I'm not completely sanctified and completely holy. It is both a status where he sees us, a position, and also a process of becoming in my life. So I'm saying to you, these verses tell us that you're going to have some sense of struggle all your Christian life till he glorifies us and makes us in practice what we have been since our new birth in position. Now, two reasons I'm telling you this that I think it's important to share say, man, that's a bummer. Why don't you just tell us we can be perfect? Why yet tell us we're always going to have this struggle? Here's two things that understanding this battle will keep you from two dangers. Number one, it'll keep you from overconfidence. If you understand this, this, what I've shared today, you got an old sin nature, now you got a new nature, they're in conflict, you got to nourish the one, but that old's going to be with you all of your life. If you understand it, it'll keep you from being overconfident. You're in a battle, and you're going to be in a battle until the trumpet blows and the battle's over. And so don't take the battle lightly. Don't engage in risky behavior. Don't get overconfident. You realize that, that uh, sin is crouching at the door. And don't trust yourself. There's a battle going on. But here's the second thing that understanding this will keep you from. It'll keep you from discouragement. Understanding this battle will keep you from discouragement. One of the devil's greatest weapons is going to be discouragement in your life. And some of you are battling unwanted behaviors. And you feel like, as Paul said in these verses, I just don't think I'm getting anywhere. The good I want to do, I don't do. And the evil I won't, don't want to do, I do. And But when you understand this battle... You expect to get shot at in battle, right? You expect some opposition in battle. You're in a battle. Don't get discouraged. You hang in there. Don't give up in your Christian life. You're not abnormal when you're struggling. If we're living in defeat, that's abnormal. But we're not abnormal when we're living in, when you're struggling. So you don't give up. Understand that there are going to be struggles in your Christian life. Don't give up on your husband. Don't give up on your wife. Don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on yourself. He who began a good work in you is faithful to bring it to completion. But there are going to be some struggles along the way. And don't let Satan discourage you in this battle. You have that new nature. We know who's going to win. You stick with the fight. Would you bow with me in prayer?
Oh God, we want to be like you. We want to take seriously the call that you said be perfect even as I, the Father in heaven is perfect. And Lord, sometimes we do what we don't want to do. And I pray right now for those in this room and those watching who may be seeking in this month to overcome some unwanted behaviors. Don't want to keep acting toward my family and yelling at people, but I do. Don't want to keep abusing my body, but I do. Oh God, I pray that you would keep us from overconfidence, that we would realize we're in a battle and we'd seek to nourish that new nature. And I pray you'd keep us from discouragement. If there are some now that are just discouraged, oh God, encourage them for the battle. And help us through Jesus Christ to rise in victory and strengthen that new nature. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, today, I'll be at the Welcome Center after the close of our, our service. And if today you want to have a new birth, you want to have a new nature, you've got a sinful nature, you can get a new nature today, new destiny. And I want to invite you to come by. I'll share with you how to accept Christ. We can plan for your baptism. If you want to join our church, I invite you to stop by as well. We can do that right there. I had some people do that last Sunday. If you just want to talk about Christian life, I'd be glad to talk with you. I'll be at the Welcome Center after our service. Thank you for coming. So I'm waiting for this app to load up. Um, this is a song. It came out a couple years ago. So it's, a, it's not a new song, but I believe it, it'll be new to... Um, singing on a Sunday morning, so maybe you've heard it before. If you haven't, I just encourage you to, to be ministered by it, but <clears throat> the lyrics say, I'm not enough unless you come, will you meet me here again? And I love that lyric, but also I think there's a little bit of a flaw in it, because I don't think that we're ever enough, like, to say that we're, you know, not enough unless you come, but it's really like we are never enough, and so Jesus has to be with us every step of the way. So here is here again. If you'll stand and worship with us. Come, will you meet me here again? 
Amen. You can be seated for just a moment. I want to thank the worship team for leading us in worship, Dr. Cox, for that wonderful message. And as we have worshiped in song and in the word, we want to remind us that we also are given the opportunity to worship through giving. And so there's three simple ways that you can give. Uh, On the back wall there, you see the two drop boxes. That's one way you can give through your envelope. Uh, If you're online, you can give through our website or you can download our church app. And that's a one-stop shop for where you can get Uh, messages, you can give online, and all kinds of other resources about First Baptist Church, you can download that as well. Uh, If you're a guest with us, we'd invite you to go to the Welcome Center, meet Dr. Cox, introduce yourself, introduce your family. He'd love to get to know you. Uh, He's got a small gift for you for coming and being a part of our service. And then if you turn to your worship guide real quick, I just want to highlight a few things. There's great information here about Wednesday nights at FBC. And then if you go down to the bottom, you look at middle school and high school camps and mission trips, be sure to check that out. And then finally, you know, with Christmas and the new year, I don't know if somebody may have got something shiny on their finger, or maybe you made a big decision, or maybe you'd like to get something shiny on your finger. Maybe you'd like to get engaged. I don't know. I've made it awkward for everybody. But here's the thing. We do this premarital uh, counseling workshop called Merge. It's a six-week pre-marriage counseling workshop that we did. Last year was the first year we had five couples go through it. 
Uh, this year, we're doing it again. It's uh, led by me and my friends JR and Sarah Rains. If you want to wave at everybody real quick, there they are. Um, but anyway, if you know somebody who could benefit from this or you yourself could benefit, we would love for you to be a part of that. Go to our website right under um, ministry and go to merge. You'll see it there. There's an online registration form. We get materials and resources for you so we can take care of that. We'd love for you to come and be a part of Merge. All right, let's uh, pray together, close out our service. Father, you are so good to us. God, I thank you that we get a new nature. Lord, that we can have victory over sin. And God, we know we might struggle and battle, but God, ultimately, we win through you. Thank you for that word this morning. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Was I forsaken? The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, dry bones awaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. I'm not enough. Saw you.